The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does not he, does not he leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, then take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, There am I among them. This is the Gospel of our Lord. So there's four paragraphs in that Gospel time. Um, Not all of them deeply connected, but that first one... Let's go to this first slide. Do you remember when these words? Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but if Jesus says, if you do this thing, you're not going to get this. If you do this one thing, you're going to heaven. Or if you do this one thing, you're going to go to eternal fire. Whatever that thing is normally gets our attention. At least it does mine. Become children and go to heaven. If you don't do that, you're not going to heaven. I'm listening. And it was curious that he didn't say, unless you learn all the languages of the Bible... 
very, very well. You've mastered the languages of the Bible. Unless you master the Old Testament, New Testament, the histories of the prophets, the connectivities of the stories, and, and understand them in the fullness of the Old Testament and New Testament, unless you are more thorough in the Scriptures than the scribes and more devout in your faith than the Pharisees, that you won't get to heaven, that would be near impossible. But he doesn't say any of that. All he says is to be like a child. Like a child. Curious thing, this children. So why is it that would he, would he mention that? What deep or profound, simple or beautiful mysteries are contained in this gift that we understand so well in our lives? Family. Between fathers and mothers and their children. Between grandparents and their grandchildren. How is it that in our family, the simplest of things, that he's exposed the beauty and the fullness of heaven? We're going to think about that a little bit this morning. Let's go to the next picture. We're going to show some families. In our church, we have been blessed with four families having newborn baby girls all in about the last two months. That is pretty exciting. So we're going to take a look at some of these families. First ones, they're here. They're back there with us today. Way to go. So Matthew and Abby Clark, baby Adeline. You know, in this picture, he is still healing from an Achilles tendon tear in a surgery. She has just worked very hard to deliver a baby. Exhausting work. In this picture, their little baby girl is recovering from having had some infection and running some fevers because she got some amniotic fluid in, in, her, in her lungs and she, was, she, had a, she had a fever and she was not feeling well. Kind of scary. You look at this picture... Uh, it's kind of curious. Even though they're strong, capable, intelligent pe- people, I see those are just rookie parents. <laughs> they, they, have, they have no clue what's coming before them. And I can laugh because now I'm an old man. I've been there and done that. But it's just, I, I just kind of laugh at that. Rookie parents. But they're holding a joy in their arms and in their midst. And as they stand together, there is joy as they pose for this picture. And when you see that picture, just think about it. Don't answer it out loud, but just think to yourselves. When you see that picture, what do you see? What do you see? What stirs in your minds and your hearts as you see that picture? And would there be a word that would come to your mind as you see that picture? For whatever it's worth, mine is the word joy. Joy. A husband and wife standing together, their first baby girl in a hospital about ready to check out and go home. Joy. Let's look at the next picture. This is Ashley and her baby girl, Charlie. When you see this picture, just think about it. What do you see in their faces? If you were to think about one word that comes to mind, what would be the one word that would come to your mind as you saw that picture? What would be your one word? The picture that came, or the word that came to my mind was the word delight. There's a mom holding this baby, and there's just a fullness of delight, a fullness of joy, if you will, and a little baby delighting. She's got her, she's smiling so hard, her eyes are closed. And she's discovering her tongue, and it's delight. Joyful delight in the arms of mom. Let's look at the next picture. All right. We know who this is. So it's, it's a great-grandmother. It's Audrey holding her baby, Charlie. 
even if you didn't know who she was, when you saw a, a picture like this, this beautiful Christian veteran woman holding this now the next generation, what's the word that would come to your mind? It's the one word. When you look at their faces in the moment, what do you see? One of the words that came to my mind was precious. She is holding and she knows how beautiful and how vulnerable and how precious life is. And this great-grandmother is now holding a great-grandchild. Precious. Let's look at the next one. Here's our third family. David and Emily Campbell holding baby Lindley. When you see the picture, notice this is different. This is not the same. Each picture has a unique scene, a unique feel to it. What do you see when you see this picture? What would be the word or words that would come to mind when you see this one? There's a piece in there, yeah. For whatever it's worth, something that stood out to me on this one is a protection and a provision. So a protection. You can see that that child, that, their little girl is bundled in that blanket. They teach at the hospital how to fold them up into that. You could carry them like a lunch pocket. Yeah? They, are, they are secure in that blanket. They are protected. They are warm. They are held tight. They are, they're, they're just bundled up and protected. But it's also a sense of provision. She's in the arms. Look at this. Mom's hand is right there. I'm, I've got this. She is protected, and they're going to be provided for. Dad's overlooking, and you just had his family. This child will be protected and provided for. Beautiful, beautiful little picture there. 17 pounds, 13 ounces, and a tiny blanket. All right, let's look at the next picture. Each one communicates something differently. Seven pounds. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I heard, I heard the echo over here. Someone said 17 pounds. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I got, I got reel that one back in, put it in boat. Seven pounds, 13 ounces. Yeah, leave it for a mother who would know 17 pounds. Oh, let's pray for that woman. All right, now bring it back. This picture, this one is different. This picture is different. A different time of day, a different place. There's a strong man, strong arms, strong hands. He's had years of watching his little girl grow up, and now he's experiencing the deep excitement or enjoyment of a new life that's been entrusted to who was once his little girl. He's holding his granddaughter. And as he's sitting in that rocking chair, no doubt floods of ministries or memories come to mind. There's a love, and there's a delight, and there's an enjoyment in this restful picture. All the above. And a baby completely at rest. The baby's not wanting anything else in all of the world except what the baby's receiving in that picture. Last picture. All right, what do you see in this one? All right, you see little Catherine. I'd be curious. That's kind of a regal name, you know, Catherine. Um, be curious to see how she grows into that. Tatiana and her little baby girl. As you see these pictures so far, 
moving apart from the individuals that you know, what do you see in the pictures? What memories and things swirl in your minds as you saw those pictures? Today's gospel lesson, for whatever it's worth, we read about Jesus, and he called a child to be in his midst. I think that it could be true that that Jesus would, like us, delight in the simple, profound beauty of holding a child and all that that can mean about heaven and earth. Let's go to the next slide. Kind of a, an artist rendition. I like the idea of Jesus smiling and playing, mingling and holding children. Let's go to the next slide. So each and every picture of these parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and the child, first and foremost, out of every picture that we saw, one word that was in every picture would have been the word love. From the very first picture with the very first couple to the very last picture and Tatiana, everything in the middle, love is at the middle of it. Love is in the beginning and the end of it. It's all the way through it all. Love is in there. You can't look at those pictures and not imagine the love that they have for each other. It's impossible to do so. And then with love swelling in their minds, what happens as the parents evolve? What happens from the moment of the birth moment and they're placed in your hands and then you go next? The very next things that happen for every parent is the idea that we have delight and enjoyment in that moment. It just happens. When they place your child for the first time in your arms, your your second child, your third child, whatever it is, every time you have that baby, there's just delight. It's like, oh, wow, what an awesome miracle, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this baby. And there's an enjoyment in the moment. You don't care about anything else going on in the whole world. There could be hurricanes wrecking over there and hurricanes wrecking over there and earthquakes over here. Economies could be doing something over there. Terrorism could be... All that just fades in this moment. You've got the most beautiful, precious thing that you could ever have, and it's in your arms. And it's your child. And that's, they don't even know it, but that, you are their parent. That's it. It's pure. If you can imagine some of the pure things in this world, that is pure. There is delight and enjoyment. And then from there, all right, now they're going to start teaching you, well, you need to feed them this, you need to wrap them this way, you need to take care of them this way, change them this way. I mean, there's all this stuff. They're not as fragile as you think, but they're still fragile. They go through all those instructions. Now you are immersed in this crash course called parenthood, and there you are. Now you're to provide for them and you're to protect them. That's just part of it. That's the next step in this evolution as parents and children. Um, when they fuss, what's causing the fuss? Are they hungry? Are they uncomfortable? Are they just needing something that you can't imagine? Are their stomachs restless? What is going on with the baby? Why? So your, your provision in there. And then the protection side of it. You know, if I was, one of the, the most horrendous things that could happen is to try to hurt a baby. And the parents won't let that happen. They're there to protect them and never let that see you happen. Um, and then when you get past those little phases, then you move into the next level. It kind of it keeps going over here. we got instruction phase. There's going to be a time um, when little Adeline back there is going to start walking. She actually is going to start crawling first. And they're going to say, don't lick the electric sockets. They're going to protect that. 
Okay? When she starts to stand and she goes near the tables, they're going to want to protect her head because when she gets tall enough, she's going to be at right that height. Well, she won't even be looking up, but she's going to hit her head on those tables. And I tell you, that hurts. It hurts. I've vicariously seen it. I no doubt did not remember it, but it hurts. And so they're going to want to, they're going to, want to have some instruction in that time. What is dangerous to touch? What is dangerous to do? They're going to want to have boundaries for their little girl because no matter what happens, they don't want anything to happen to their little girl. It's going to hurt her. That breaks the heart of a parent to see your child suffer. When you see children suffer, it wrecks you in ways that's just almost, it's just dark. And so if the child's running across the parking lot, you're going to chase them down and say no. If they do it, if you have a high energy kid, they're going to do it again. You're going to get no stronger. If they do it a third and fourth time, eventually you're going to get strong enough and loud enough and maybe spanking their butts enough, whatever it takes, because you want your impression, your instruction to supersede their desires because you love. Not because you just want to be mean. Just not because you don't want them to have fun and run through parking lots. That's not the point. The point is, is I don't want you hurt. And so you're going to instruct them. That's the motive of your instruction is your love. Um, sometimes there's encouragement. Sometimes there's correction. That's the evolution of it as they get older and older. Let's go to the next slide. So now why is it, coming back to the Bible, now we've got this family and this parental thing all stirred up in our minds and our hearts. Why is it their Heavenly Father would send Ezekiel? When we read those words, no doubt you had to be thinking, boy, this is another hard Old Testament lesson. I got a watchman, and I got wrath and wickedness and punishment and all kinds of dark, heavy stuff coming. What is this about? We'll go back to how we've been talking about today. Think about the pictures and think about the motives. One of the motives starts with love and delight and enjoyment and provision and protection. Father sends Ezekiel because he wants him to be a watchman for his children. He sends Ezekiel because he wants Ezekiel to tell him the truth. He sends Ezekiel because he wants to warn his people about, don't do this because it's going to end up bad for you. And do these things because it's going to end up good for you. That's why he sends Ezekiel. He doesn't send Ezekiel because he's just this mad God of an Old Testament. And every time you just look wrong or think wrong, he's just going to strike you down with lightning bolts or some plagues. It has nothing to do with the motive. The motive of God is, I love you enough, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I love you enough, I'm going to correct you. I love you that much. When you hurt, I hurt, says our Father. And I'm going to send you prophet after prophet after prophet until you know with clarity that I love you that much. Let's look at St. Paul. St. Paul, his message, we had a lot of things about some government pieces, but at the end of that piece, Paul's message was about love. He said, love does no wrong to neighbors. How much wrong could any one of those people have done in those pictures to the little baby being held? They can't. Beautiful, beautiful babies, treasured by those, those family members. Love does no wrong. Then Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, what would the world look like if we could love each other the way the parents are loving their little children? That would be radical, wouldn't it? No more hunger people. No more people suffering alone. No more abuses and ugly words. No more, just a whole lot of stuff would be fixed if we loved. One of the things Paul says is the one who loves his neighbor fulfills the law. The law is about love. You know, in this lesson, Paul gives us, he gives us a list of sins. We know what they are. We, we've seen them before. 
But from that list, then he goes on, he talks about the, you know, the hints of the tragic nature of what this sin is, this list of sins. And why is it that sin is so, so talked, you know, put down and so strongly dealt with by God? It's because it's a separation. That's what sin does. They asked, well, a long time ago, I remember, what's, the def- what's your definition of sin? They'd ask us to the seminary students and the professors, why are you asking us this? You already know the answers. But he's, they want to know our definition. And almost all of us came around to the same answer. Sin is something that separates. Separates. If I wanted to do something completely sinful, I would, if I was to do this, I would take her daughter away from a mom. I would take a baby girl away from her parents. Talk about hurting the parents. That's separation. How torturous would that be for me to rip your children away from your lives? That's sin. Only we're ripping ourselves away from God and it breaks His heart. Where we're hurting each other and we're tearing ourselves away from each other. Sin is serious business because it separates us from the very God who loves us so much. And Paul says, don't. Paul doesn't say don't because he wants us to live these narrow, little, lifeless, miserable, pathetic lives. He's not trying to manipulate us into some place of holiness that's not normal. He's not, he's not trying to put on to stuff, removing all the good things of life so we just live these half-colored lives. That's not the motive. Paul has given us this in the, in the line of that children's message of love, of a father and a mother. I love you so much, don't do this. I love you this much. Don't sin. Don't tear me away from my... Don't don't leave me. Let's look at the next one. Jesus said, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. We're not here to get smart. We're not here to learn all the biblical languages, know all the biblical stories. We're not here to be masters of all that. We're not... Of all the things, we're here to be children. The little girl in the basket back there, Adeline, she doesn't have to be anything but Adeline. She just has to be held by mom and dad. She doesn't contribute anything to their family except a big medical expense, dirty diapers, and long nights of crying if she gets colicky, maybe. Really? She doesn't, but the love and the delight in her parents, all she needs to be is Adeline. All she needs to be is just be held. That's part of the message. It's that simple. Jesus says, be like children. Let's go to the next slide. Now, with that in mind, what are we striving for? What are we striving to become? The disciples in the lesson, Jesus starts off, you know what they're arguing about? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And it's like our heavenly father is like, I can't imagine the amount of frustration that God has in his patience with us. But what is our, what are our motives? How are we always getting this twisted? We're trying to be great. We're trying to be more. Little Charlie being held in the strong arms of her, of her grandfather. Is there anything more than Charlie needed to be in Jim's hands? No. Just be the little girl. Every one of these little girls held by moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, they don't have to be great. They don't have to be more. They don't have to be big or first or smart, respected, praised, any of that. That's the lies of the world for us. We don't have to be smart to be loved by our Father in heaven. We just have to be me. I just have to be me. You be you. The way God intended you to be. 
If you strive to be first, if I'm trying to be first and it comes at the expense of my brother, I've pushed him. And what do I get by being first? I get a wounded brother. That's not heaven. Is a baby in the arms of my father? I don't have to kick him out of one arm so I get the arm. God's arms are big. He's that big. My place is to be with him. Let him be the best him he can be. Let me be me. I don't have to be in the whole respected and praised part. That's just wounded people. We've all been hurt by ugly kids in schools and mean kids, hard words from parents. The world is just hard on us at times. And yes, we are wounded. But no, we don't have permission to wound other people and step on them. We confess our wounds. We say, God, help me heal up. And all of us has it in different ways. And then we just say, God, yeah, you already, it's not about respect. You already love me. I don't have to try that hard. I don't have to be praised. Jesus says, be the child. Let's go to the next slide. Child. He's not asking us to be great. If you want to be in heaven, he didn't say be great. If you want to be in heaven, you don't have to be first. If you want to be in heaven, you don't have to be smart. Be a child. It's profound. It's simple. Be in his arms. All the things that separate you from your heaven and your father, just confess it and say, God, help me come home. Let me be held by you. And all these ways that I sin and break that relationship, forgive me, Lord. Let me come close. Help me come close. Chase me down if you have to, but bring me home, Lord. Bring me into your arms. Let me be loved, Father. That's one of the hardest things for humans to have because we're always trying to earn it somehow or another. Not with our Father in heaven. He loves you. Those babies are loved and they don't do anything except get loved. They breathe and they enjoy the presence of their parents. How about even grow from there? Be a joy and a delightment. Not just survival mode. Oh, take it to a whole nother level. Know that God makes you and He smiles. He is delighted in you. When we get to sit in His house and come home on Sundays and we worship Him and remember Him together, this is a family reunion. Family reunions are great when all the kids come home. And God can delight in us. We're in His presence. And He enjoys us. Protected and provided for. And here we'll accept His instruction. And I'm not going to pout as a temper. Adults can throw temper tantrums. You think children screaming around back in different places, you know, they pout and they fuss and they complain. They might stomp their feet and do all that sort of stuff. That's got nothing on an adult. You tell an adult no, it's a whole nother level of ugly because they bring their financial to bear. They bring their relationships to bear. They get all their friends. Well, they're masters at this stuff. As adults, let's set that down. God, if you say no, it's no. If you say yes, it's yes. Because your love is perfect. You are perfect in your wisdom and your understanding more than I am. And I'm going to surrender to your intelligence and your power, your provision, and your love. I'm going to trust that if you say no, it's for my good reason because you love me that much. And it's for the good reason of my family and my friends in this world around me. I'm going to accept the instructions. Changes the whole Bible up. Then it's not a have to. Don't steal? Yes, Lord. Don't kill people? Yes, Lord. Keep your physical relations inside of a marriage? Honor your marriage? Yes, Lord. Take care of your children? Honor your parents? Yes. All those commandments, they're easy. If you remember, they start with love. 
Let's go to the last slides. All right, so now as we take these lessons, this profound thing about being children, two pieces. One, be a child of the Heavenly Father. That's it. Just be that. Notice how easy that is. You don't do anything. The babies, remember the babies? All they did was just lay there and get loved. They, they were just there. They could be crying. They could have stinking diapers. It didn't matter. They are going to be held. Be a child of God. Know that you are loved. Know that you are forgiven. Know that you are treasured and you are a delight in your Heavenly Father's eyes. Just the way you are. Because He knows that you can't do more. So just be a child. And the second piece is, and this is where we come into it, is we've got to help other people know this truth. It's not a have to. When He says, go and make disciples, I've got to go make disciples today. No, it's not about have to's. Once you're being held and you know that God loves you like this, why don't you let other folks know? Because they're, they need to know it too. They're begging to be loved by somebody. Why not be a church that loves on behalf of our Father? We don't make a jump through a bunch of hoops. We just love them. And we forgive them as they are. Help other children know and become children of God. That's what we're about. Two things. We've said in other ways, know Jesus, make him known. In today's gospel, it will be, be a child of God and help other children know that they're children of God too. Bring them home. God help us be this church. Amen.